0: isn't it potent and powerful that we don't even have to be in the same room but the word of god still has the power to galvanize us and connect us and empower us right where we are to be able to embrace and release the gospel to the world how powerful is the gospel praise the lord and the word of god so look matthew 25 verse 14 through 18 says for it speaking about the kingdom of heaven and the return of christ for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property somebody say his property to one he gave five talents to another two to another one to each according to his ability then he went away verse 16 he who had received the five talents when he Uh, went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. Verse 17. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But it says, But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. My God. So we know this passage is in regards to money. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, somebody say, a long time. It's Jesus been gone for a long time, hasn't he? After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. Verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. See, this well done is attached to the way in which this servant stewarded or multiplied the money that was given to him by his master. And he says, You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, and he also, and he also, uh, he said who had two talents came forward saying master you delivered to me two talents here i have made two talents more.'" verse 23 his master said to him well done here it is again good and faithful servant listen i want to hear a well done more than i want a man's pat on the back come on somebody he says you have been faithful over a little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent. Somebody say hid your talent. He hid God's money in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Verse 26, but his master entered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, calling me a T-fam? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents wow let's bow our heads and let's go before the lord in prayer god i thank you so much for this preaching moment and this preaching opportunity thank you for this grounded series and what you've done here so far lord god even as we bring the plane down for a landing on today i pray lord that we would be stronger as a result of what as what of what is taught today we'd be stronger than we ever have been before that those who are out of your will, that they would, that you would grant them repentance. And those, Lord, who have never even heard of this stuff, that you would give them understanding in the spirit because spiritual things are spiritually discerned and understood. And Lord, while you're blessing us here at Serve City, we pray, Lord God, that you be with every church in the city of Toronto that is preaching your gospel. Lord God, we just pray that you would move mightily and cause people to come to you through them for they are not our competition but they are our co-laborers and we remember the church around the world and we just pray lord that you be with them use them mightily and i thank you and i give you praise in advance in jesus mighty name let everybody say Amen. 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 Glory to God. Come on in the chat. Go ahead and put I'm grounded. Come on. I'm grounded. I'm grounded. You know, I just read this passage. This is a passage that uh, is representative. It's one of the few of them uh, that, you know, they all kind of highlight different things. Uh, But this one especially is highlighting finances. And it talks about the king, a king going away and leaving his servants, or this man leaving his servants with uh, his money. One more time, somebody say his money. And the beautiful thing about this, it makes it clear, you know, this is not a passage that's related to salvation. Some of us think that the well done thy good and faithful servant is related to, uh, is related to salvation. But that's actually not what it's related to. Salvation is not by how you steward money, <laughs> Salvation is not, by, does not, is not determined by how you serve the Lord. Salvation, and I love just making these things clear because there are a lot of uh, erroneous beliefs that we hold to and we perpetuate of the salvific nature, and they need to be corrected. And so salvation doesn't come by how we sing or how we play or how we uh, open doors or serve or do whatever. You know? However, the fact is, um, after you are saved, we have a responsibility to serve the Lord and how our eternity looks thereafter in heaven and the new earth, because it's not just about heaven. There's a new heaven and a new earth where believers are going to inhabit. This will, and this is just in summary, we just did an exhaustive teaching on eschatology uh, to end in, in the fall season. Uh, and, and, you know, and so we went de- more in depth with that. And maybe another time we'll talk more in depth about it again. But the whole idea is that we will not just be in the new heaven, but we also will be in the new earth. And dependent upon how you and I serve on this earth right now, depending upon what we do with salvation, the salvation that we have, how we use it, and how we use what we have been entrusted with By Jesus, while we are believers, that will actually determine our rank. There's going to be rank in heaven and the new earth. There's going to be people who are ruling and reigning and people who are in different positions based upon how it is that we serve. Different levels of reward. You don't believe me? Go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is a powerful passage. Don't have time to get into it now. But the idea is that the works that we set forth as believers after we have been saved, they are going to be weighed. They are going to be tested proverbially as by fire. Everybody say fire. And based upon the way that we are serving, as by, uh, the way that these works are tested, how they are, it will reveal what type of works they were. Similar to what we're seeing here in this passage being played out, this, this judgment looking at how what we did. Jesus is coming back and he's going to want to know, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you serve as a Christian or as one of my servants? How did you serve? And so the thing is, you know, I, I really think there's a lot of people that are just, you're just grateful you're not going to hell, right? But how many of you know, I don't want to I don't know about you. I don't want to stand before Jesus and have to give an account and be like, God, I didn't do everything that you wanted me to do with what it is that you put me in my hand. That, I, I think, you know, too many of us are scared of hell, right? And we're scared of just, oh, I don't want to go to hell. No and I'm just grateful I'm not going to hell. But how it's not just about not going to hell. You and I are going to have to give an account. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 makes it clear. And you will be saved, but you can even receive loss even as a Christian being saved. Read that whole chapter when you get a chance. Uh, It will bless your life and give you some context. But, you know, today I want to talk about this because it's important for us to understand. And I believe that God wants to do something mighty in our lives, even as we are in this crazy season. And I told you, you know, the prophetic word over our house for this season is that God wants us to be grounded. And God wants to, he's going to demonstrate, we believe, stability in and of our lives. And this is in our lives. And it's going to be insane. It's going to be an anomaly because right now we should not be stable. (laughs) We should be unstable. Everything around us is telling us that things should be unstable. Because of the the erratic nature of what's happening in our world today. But I believe that God wants to show and demonstrate these are perfect opportunities for him to demonstrate his power in and through the kingdom. Oh, and I want you to be a part of that. I want you to be grounded. Come on. If you didn't put it in the chat yet, uh, somebody just let's, let's put some American in there. Say, I'm going to be grounded. Come on. I'm going to be grounded. Spell it how you wish. Uh, you have the freedom and the liberty to do that. I'm going to be grounded. Praise the Lord. And so when I'm thinking about this, man, I just, I just got a, a number of things to share and some scriptures. And so, again, I encourage you to uh, grab this. And if you are watching this now, please go ahead and share this link. Invite people to watch it with you because this is going to impact their life if you're watching it in the replay share it hit share and share it on your social media you know on your facebook and all of that invite some people to watch it with you praise god so listen man you know i'm thinking about uh, a long time ago and i was in a place my wife and i we were experiencing Um, you know, some financial difficulty. This was over a decade ago, a long time ago. We're not experiencing financial difficulty now, praise God. Uh, But we were in a time where it was down to, you know, it was down to us eating a can of beans and corn and mixing it together. In fact, uh, the church that we were part of, you know, some of y'all, you ever been there where you have to save up to be poor? You know, and like we were in a pretty crazy moment had more month than money you know we actually were excited when the church called a fast <laughs> the church we are a part of called a fast and we were like oh thank god because now at least there's a reason for us to minimize the food that we're eating and it's not going to be as abzaki of a situation as it was prior you ever been so hungry that you're just like man come on we're just gonna have an involuntary fast you ever been there before? You know, and so it was, it was, it was one of those times, fam, and we were like, man, we had bills, and we're like, how are we gonna pay these bills? And I'll never forget, we had five dollars and twenty-some cents. Five dollars and twenty-some cents. And we were in the position, we were in the states, we were by ourselves, we weren't near any parents, all that sorts of stuff. And uh, we, are, we went to a service. The service was happening. It was a powerful service. I believe it was uh, Bishop Liston Page, I think. Yep, wifey's saying, yeah. Bishop Liston Page was in there. He was preaching down the house. And, you know, we, it was just a crazy experience. The night before, I forgot. I think it was Bishop Rudolph McKissick Jr. was preaching, maybe. And, we were, uh, and then also, I think, Dr. Jackie McCullough. It was a crazy lineup of monstrous preachers. And she, Dr. McCullough, she preached this message on how God used her around oranges. And I don't know if she's ever going to see this message, but that message you preached, Bishop, was insane. And my wife and I, at the end of that service, we both, we have one of those things where it's kind of like, you know, we're just in the, in the spirit all the time. We're like, you know, we, when we were getting ready at the top of the, uh, the end of last year and we were doing our strength to strength giving you know, we prayed about it and we came together and we said the same amount <laughs> the Lord was telling us to sow in that, uh, in that moment. It was just a really cool moment. So anyway, we are there and my wife and I, while we were there, in the, in the auditorium after we heard that powerful message by Dr. Dr. Uh, McCullough, we look at each other and we knew exactly what we had to do. We knew in that moment that we had to sow our five dollars. And so we're like, we looked at each other like, man, I mean, this thing is not going to meet any of the needs that we have. So it must be a seed. And so we said, well, you know what? We're going to sell this, send it, uh, sow into the kingdom. This last $5, we kept the 20-something cents to buy a stick of gum. <laughs> I still remember it. We had the, the, the last 20-something cents for a stick of gum. We said, we're going to buy this stick of gum so the man's breath is not going to stink. But we're going to, you know, but we're going to put this $5 in there. So we sold the $5. And i never forget where this was a this was one of those moments where we're like, OK, God, this is a C. We're going to put it in your hand. This is our last. We can't pay our bills. None of this. I'll never forget. I was at that time. See, I wasn't pastoring full time. All the time, there was a, a, a little break right there for a matter of months before I entered back into full-time ministry when we uh, transitioned from one state or one area of the state to another, and I was slinging suits, selling suits I'm at this store called Backrack. I don't even think it's still around anymore, and I would stand on my feet all day and just work all day, you know, when, when was working 12-hour shifts, selling suits, you know, barely making, making minimum wage at that time. And if you don't sell a certain amount, you couldn't make more than minimum wage. It was insane. So I'm at work, and I'm there in the back, and I'm selling these suits, and you know, doing my thing. And um, and and while I'm there, I'll never forget. So the service we went to was the night before. They had another service during the day, but I couldn't attend it the following day uh, because I had to work. And so my wife attended the service, and my wife ends up showing up at. Uh, my wife ends up showing up at, at my job, and I'm like, you see, when the wifey shows up at the job, when anybody shows up at the job, I know she didn't come to buy a suit, right? So I'm like, something serious is going on. So anyway, she comes in, and she walks up to me, and she tells me something. Babe, isn't this nuts? I'm just thinking about this story just looking back, and I'll never forget. I fell back after she told me the news, and all of my coworkers, they thought she told me She's pregnant. Or something crazy like that. But I was like, nah. Hey, she wasn't telling me she was pregnant. She said she went to church the following day, and we had sold our last $5. And she said someone came to her in that moment. Someone came to her during the service, uh, and they, had, they put a check for $500 in her hand. And see, look, see, we're excited here at the broadcast campus. I hope you can, you know, we, if we could just brag on God and his goodness. Watch this. We sold our last $5 because we realized that because it couldn't meet our need, it must have been a seed. Come on. And it would do better in the hand of Jesus than it would do in my pocket burning a hole or if I went and ate it out at BK. Come on, somebody in this place. I wonder if it's a witness. And so they came. They didn't know how much we gave, but it was exactly 100 hundredfold. Return a hundred on the five dollar seed that we sowed, and my bread was still smelling good. And at that point in time, I want can I just testify about God? because see some of y'all look at us and look at what we have and where we're at and you think that it was just always this way can I just testify to somebody that's at the end of your rope and right where you are and you're like looking at the money and you're like man I got more month than money how on earth am I going to do this I'm looking at bills higher than the CN tower how am I going to do this I'm here to tell you I'm telling you if you grab what I'm getting ready to teach you come on in come on in if you grab what I'm getting ready to teach you I believe that your life can be transformed and your Situation forever. Come on, and so here in this moment, it was nuts to me because it was a life changing experience. That five hundred dollars at the time—I mean, we didn't have three kids at the time. We didn't have it was just my wife and I at that moment, you know. And and uh, and so I praise the Lord. You know that five hundred dollars, fam, that child that went a long way. Listen, I mean, we were able to go from eating just beans and corn. And we were able to pay our our bills and we even had some left over in that moment. And I'm excited about overflow. Come on. Can I just talk about it today? Because I want you to understand this. This is an upside down principle. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom is upside down. In fact, somebody in the chat put the kingdom is upside down. The kingdom, the kingdom is upside down. It encourages you to do the opposite of what you would regularly do in the world. The world will tell you to respond and to do one thing, to do another, but we respond otherwise. This is why, again, shameless plug, you have one. Uh, this is the last day, I hope. How many of you have actually memorized or made an attempt to memorize Psalm 1? Come on, in the chat, say, that's me, or put a hand up if that person is you. Uh, you know, I would, th- If that was you, go ahead, let us know. But remember, again, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands. Stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful or some say scoffers but his delight is in the law or the word as I explained of the Lord and on his the word does he meditate day and night for he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season come on his leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he does will prosper but the wicked are not so they are like the Path, the tumbleweed come on that the wind drives away and so this is why it is that we are assigned when i'm telling you stuff like this the world is like that don't make sense oh he just wanted them prosperity turn around seven times and not. no i'm not telling you to jump up seven times and you're going to get a million dollars i'm encouraging you around what i'm about to tell you and teach you biblical principles because god watch this god wants you to be financially stable You know, we live in a world that thinks that Christianity should be to the place where we are all broke. And, you know, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. And so we just need to go around and we just need to be broke and we don't need to afford anything. Well, I don't know about y'all, but my same Bible declares the same Bible that tells us about Jesus and him not having a place to lay his head. How many of you know that he didn't go through that so that you could be broke? In fact, this same Bible say in Proverbs 13, verse 22, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And he says, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. I'm not even going to teach on that right now. That has futuristic implications, but it also has implications right now. It's stuff that the world has that they just keep in warm for you right now. And if you and I would be faithful, oh, can I teach? I know I have. Man, I, feel, I just feel this thing so strong. If you and I would be faithful over what it is that God has put in our hands, there's some stuff that will transfer from the kingdom of darkness. Instead of coveting what other people have, you be faithful and watch God give it to you and keep it in your life. Come on, somebody. When the wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Oh, I'm speaking with wisdom. I want you to grab this thing today. Come on. This Bible, I want you to understand. And so a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. How can I leave an inheritance for my children's children If I'm some sitting up up here in unstable when it comes to finances, I can only leave an inheritance if I am doing my part to be able to. I mean, anybody other than me don't want to see your kids struggling. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody other than me that wants a generations ahead of you to be able? I mean, it should not just be for people that may not look like you to be able to pass some stuff down on today. Kids. Oh, I just want to keep it real on today and let you understand a good manly God wants us to be financially, see, this is the thing, financially stable. You should not be leaving this place and leaving your family. See, a lot of us, we don't leave an inheritance for our children's children. We leave bills for our children's children. Oh my, can I just keep it real? And you got grandkids paying off stuff from their granddaddy because he was not taking care. I'm telling you, oh my, I'm coming against it. It is time for us to break and overthrow the idol of generational poverty. Come on, somebody. From season to season, it is time for us to move from always talking. Yes, we should look back and look at the struggle with historicity, but not to perpetuate it. To keep on going, we should be standing on the shoulders of those who struggled before us, and every round we ought to go higher and higher. I wonder if it's someone in this broadcast campus or someone online that can put your hands together if you're saying it's time for us to come out and for us to move forward. Come on, somebody. And never forget, man, I mean, I was on my own since I was 17. I'm 36 years old now. I grew up in Toronto. I left here when I was 17 and for, uh, for 15 years, how many years was it that we lived there? 14 years, we lived in the states, both my wife and I, away from my parents, and I started my life by myself out there. You know, it was just insane being there. You know, and I was that guy that I had absolutely no financial literacy. I thought, you know, money is the devil. You know, people, we grow up teaching stuff like money is the root of all evil. How many of you know that that's not what the Bible says? Bible says the love. Oh my. The love of money is the root of all evil. The the issue with prosperity preaching or the prosperity gospel, first of all, it's not the gospel. And what happens is it puts the emphasis on money above the cross. But the Bible does not teach that money is evil. It just teaches that you should not deify it or love it and serve it more than you do Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so we need to understand this, this why now, when I left there, I had no clue about finances. I didn't know. And this is why for the longest time, I mean, I remember when I got my first credit card and the credit cards are of the devil. Come on, somebody. And I understand there are some things that you need credit and you need a credit card to purchase things with. We learn that all the time. If you're going to rent a car and all these various things, and certain things you need. If you're going to buy a house, you know, unless you're coming through with, that, with the stacks in a briefcase, fam, you know, you're going to need some credit. But at the end of the day, I had no clue. I didn't know anything about interest rate. I think the first credit card I got had like a 20-something percent uh, interest rate, you know, and I'm like, yo, fam, I'm from Malvern. You're gonna give me money, B? And me and the Mayutes can go to the store and just hold whatever we want? And so I literally just went across the street to the computer store because I wanted to build a studio in my closet. And I went and I got a computer and I got a mixing board and I got a this and I got a that and I wasted the whole credit card. One swoop, fam. Just one flying swoop I spent the whole thing and they knew me they knew that I was the guy that they were looking for I was the guy the guy that had no clue about money the guy that just wanted instant gratification come on red bottom shoes the guy that just wanted to have it because somebody else had it and I wanted the best of what it was and then I went and I got it and that 500 credit card I must have paid like three thousand dollars And ending up paying it back because what happened? I didn't know that if I was late. First of all, I couldn't afford any of this stuff. I couldn't even afford the basic payments at that time. Went and spent the money and then spent the money. Didn't realize about the accruing interest and all of this stuff. And ended up, it was ridiculous. And then I met my wife. (laughs) And so our backgrounds are completely different because, see, my wife, she had a different understanding. She came into this thing with an understanding of money. Not only did she have an understanding of money uh, because of her household and where it was that she came from, but also like her grandparents are incredible. Her grandparents, they have, they have, uh, they have such an incredible understanding. They own multiple properties and all this various stuff. And so her mindset, it, I mean, my my, da- my kids... Not only their children's children, but their children's children's children, my, gra- my kids still receive finances and gifts from my wife's grandparents. And that stuff is incredible and exciting to me. I didn't know anything in terms of that perspective Our parents obviously did the best that they could, but I left home so early, there was not a lot that I could grasp and understand as it pertained to the finances, and so it's insane. Her mindset was completely different, and she challenged me around the area of finances, and I learned so much, and she's like, nah, babe, you can't do this. You can't do that, and she helped me in my understanding and and got me together. She got me together, fam. And so I love her, I love her, not just because she's beautiful. Come on, son, can I just brag on my wife? But she, she did, So she helped me, she helped me, she helped me, and I'm grateful for that because now uh, I was able to learn and I got an interest in some stuff, and I've been able to pass some of these things, al- pass these things along to our children as well, praise God. But I'm sharing this to understand that God has called us to be grounded, and when we think of grounding, we usually think of just spiritually. We just think about spiritually grounded. And I'm here to tell you, God is not just interested in your spirit. Your spirit is the immaterial part of you, but God is not just interested in your spirit. The Bible actually makes it clear. I want you to write this down. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is what the apostle Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. He says it in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself. Sanctify you wholly or completely as the ESV says. Holy or completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the lord notice he doesn't just say your whole spirit which is the immaterial part of man you are a spirit you have a soul which is your will emotions and your intellect and you live in a body but notice what he says he says may the god of peace sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body somebody say and body and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. In other words, God is interested not just in your spiritual life, but also in your physical life. And some of us are so heavenly minded and so focused on heaven that we are no earthly good. Come on, somebody. And God is, is interested in what you are doing with what he has given you in the earth as he is what you, your spiritual life and your inner man. In fact, when he says the word holy or entirely, it is the Greek word halatales. Halatales. Everybody, uh, let's learn Greek together. Say halatales. Haloteles. There it is. It's spelled H-O-L-O-T-E-L-E-S in the transliteration. It means wholly, entirely, completely, in all respects. And so this is God's desire. And I want to tell you this, you know. Uh, so when we're thinking about financial stability, I just want to give you this thing. There's some things I want you to know. There's some things I want you to do. And then also I'm going to illustrate this for you. So buckle in your seatbelts, and I want you to continue to stay focused as we are talking. I want to tell you this. One of God's specialties is prospering his people in seasons of difficulty. Let me say it again. One of God's specialties is prospering his people in seasons of difficulty. And I want you to understand this, fam. I mean, this is why in this season, this is an opportunity for God to flex his muscles. This is an opportunity. He, he, he is all about showing his love and his care for those who are his children. I mean, even if you look at the story of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph and his family. I mean, you, you know about this. Maybe you're new to this story. Joseph, his brothers betrayed him. They threw him in a pit. He was sold into slavery. Not only is he sold into slavery, but then he is put in a prison. He because, uh, because he's acute, falsely accused of, of sleeping with his master's wife. And then not only then after the prison, he operates in the prison and God positions him in the palace. And he's a second in command over all of Egypt, which is insane. A Hebrew, right? And what is incredible and what is outstanding about him doing this is that God went through all of that trouble. Number one, we know to preserve the line of Joseph because Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be coming through that line. But also there was coming a great famine in the land. There was a famine in the land and they were in a position where Joseph's family was going to be affected by this famine. And so they were going to be affected by the famine and God strategically through all that he did in Joseph's life positions him in second in command in Egypt to give wisdom to these, this governmental official so that his family could be blessed and preserved in the time of famine. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. God is in a, in, in the preserving business. Come on. He is in the preserve. He is a God who is able to preserve you and I even in the middle of a pandemic. And I don't know about you, man. I mean, this has been an incredible season for me. It has been unprecedented outside of the church even. The Lord, I, my I have never been in a position where I have been able to save as much as my family has been able. Able to save where we have been able to be blessed financially as much even in the midst of the pandemic and it is so insane even for our church to see what god has done because even as a church we are committed to be able to give as well and so your church souls Your church sows into other churches. And consequently, even in the middle of this time, we are seeing God continuing to prosper us. Man, am I the only person here that you've seen God do some unconventional things prosperity-wise in your life during this season? Anybody just have a miraculous bill paid? Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Is there anybody that can testify that God has done something unconventional for you in this season? There are even some of you, I hear you, there are some of you that lost your job and you're still not begging for bread oh my can i just testify anybody i mean you serve a god that even if if, if the field that field might dry up your god didn't dry up And so you serve a God that even if they lay you off, you don't have to be discouraged because we see in scripture that even if God has to send a raven, come on, somebody, he'll send something to take care of you because your source is still intact, even if one of the fields, a resource may has dried up. This is why you got to keep being faithful and trusting God even in the midst of a pandemic and even in the midst of a challenging time because you serve a God who is faithful and can and specializes in, in prospering his people even in the pandemic. I mean, the fact that he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came that we would have life and that more abundantly. That doesn't just apply to when th- see, we a lot of us we're good with believing God and trusting God when things are going our way but as soon as stuff starts going crazy then we're like oh man what no he did not change even though your situation may have changed Oh my. And so we declared it. I mean, last year I declared it to you. God has showed me at the top of the year it was going to be an anomaly. And I don't even, and we didn't know about the pandemic, but I believe it was a word of the Lord for us to be able to stand on as we were going through difficult times. He says, no more catch up. He told me, uh, you know, that it would be no more wheel spinning, you know, and that the drain would be plugged. Some of you, you have more savings in your account than you have ever had before in the middle of the pandemic. And you are in a stronger place than you've ever been. And that word has come to pass in your life. And I encourage you, those who have lost hope and have given up, continue to be faithful to God. Because he is a God that is faithful and prospers his people even in the midst of challenging time. Come on, somebody. And so I want you to know this and I want you to understand this. Because this was the word the Lord put in my heart this week. This point, I want you to grab it. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Um, You can't have strong roots without planting strong seed. Here it is. I want you to get this because we're talking about having a foundation. We're talking about having a strong foundation. We're talking about being in a position where where we are founded, where we are grounded financially. And I want you to understand that when we're talking about foundation and having roots, you can't have roots without a seed. How can you have strong roots if you don't have strong seed? And so we're talking about foundation and we are not even sowing. You're talking about being fruitful and being planted. You're talking about being planted. How are you going to be planted if you haven't planted anything? Oh my, I want you to, you cannot be, you cannot have strong roots if you do not have strong seed. Can I tell you this? Oh, the Lord put this on my heart so strong. I want you to grab this. Satan does not like seed because seeds breaks cycles. Satan doesn't like seed because seeds breaks cycles. Look at the natural path in the natural uh, way that our bodies are made. Come on, seed breaks cycle. That's how things are born. And this is why Satan does not like seed. This is why there's so much warfare around generosity. Why is it so easy for us to receive, but it's not easy for us to give? Why is it that as soon as we start talking about money and giving, your mind starts, oh, they just want my money. They just want this. so Why is it? Did you ever realize you always start hearing this stuff? Why is it? Oh, man, does the war come in your mind? Oh, but I got to pay this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. In worshiping God, when it comes to worshiping God with a portion of what it is that he's given you, why is it that there's so much warfare around the seed? Because Satan knows that if you plant strong seed, you'll get strong roots. And so what he wants you to do is he wants you to squander the seed, come on somebody, into things that don't matter. Because he knows that you're not going to get a harvest off of it. Oh, I want you to grab this. Please grab this. I'm telling you, please grab this. this is why selfishness is so easy. Selfishness is so easy because the devil doesn't like Seed. He doesn't like seed. He doesn't like seed. He does not want you to, to 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 plant seed because you can't have strong roots without strong seed. I want you to grab this. Seed breaks cycles. There are things that are happening in your family. There are poverty cycles. You may be the one that can break that off of your household. Come on somebody. You may be the one that can break that off of your family. Can I just talk about it? I mean, you can pray into it. You can shut about a Honda into it you can dance and jump and pull it on down and pull down strongholds but until you put a seed in the ground come on that cycle cannot be broken because only through seed are cycles broken Oh my, I want to uh, I, I'm a show. I just want you to grab this thing. This is why. This is why. This is why it's imperative for us to grab this. And then number two, I want you to realize not only can you not have strong roots without planting strong seed, watch this. Your seed, when you plant in the kingdom, your seed is not buried, it's planted. Your seed is not buried, it's planted. When you bury something, watch this, you're placing or hiding it underground. But when you plant something, you're placing it in the ground with the purpose of it to be growing. So there's a difference. There's a difference. There are many of you, you're like, man, why should I sow or why should I plant seed? When you plant seed, you're like, man, I'm just getting this away and it's going to be there and it's stuck. and And I want you to understand that when you do so, you're not burying it. You are planting it. And when you're planting it, you're positioning it for growth. It's, not, it's positioned for growth, not death. Oh, can I tell you this? Your seed has the power to open doors. Can I tell you this? Your seed has the power to open doors. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 16. Write this down. Proverbs 18, verse 16. We oftentimes read this out of context. Watch this. The Bible actually says a man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before the great. Let me read it again. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Now, oftentimes when we read this, how many of you have heard this? Your gift will make room for you. And we usually have heard this taught in relation to the talents that we have. If you are a great dancer, if you are a great musician, if you are a great orator, or if you are someone who is skilled and talented in the area of accounting, your gifts will make room for you. That's what, it, that's what we read it as. But the word gift right there is matan in the Hebrew. Somebody say matan. Matan, spelled M-A-T-T-A-N when transliterated. Matan, and it means a present an offering or a reward. In other words, you ever heard the translation when you when you come bearing gifts? So it's saying that when you come bearing gifts, there is power in bringing a gift. Come on, somebody. Because when you bring a gift, a gift can open doors and bring you before the great. Oh, I want you to grab this thing on this morning. On. And so a gift. Your, your gift, your your seed can open doors for you. There are things that are locked up right now for many of you in your life because you will not release. You will not release the seed that God has put in your hand. Are you hearing me on today? It's imperative for us to understand this. It's imperative for us to grab this. Your seed open doors, and we got to stop reading poverty as God's will into Scripture. You know, like, for example, in, 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 uh, in, in, in Matthew 26, verse 11 and Mark 14, 7, you know, where Jesus talks about how the poor you will have with you always. Jesus noting this and us taking it out of context is not a command for you to be broke. Jesus saying that the poor will be with you always does not mean that you are to be broke. In fact, I want to read this. Mark chapter 14. I want you to look at this we're going to look at scripture just so because this is one of the biggest reasons and i'm going to deal with these mindsets and misconceptions it is time for us as the kingdom to understand the power in the seed and the power the what what it is that god wants to release to us if we continue to move with these ill mindsets and these unbiblical understandings of money we will never be able to experience what it is that god has for us the kingdom is going to go forward as we continue to understand generosity come on somebody verse three of mark 14 says and while he was at bethany in the house of simon the leper stay with me i hope you're with me still simon the leper as he was reclining at a table a woman came and and with an alabaster box of ointment of pure nard which is very costly it even says it in the text and she broke it broke the flask, and I don't have time to unpack this all, and poured it over Jesus's head. There were some who said to themselves, watch this, indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold, can't you see them, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. You see, when people, when this is why people don't understand in the kingdom, when you do extravagant things as worship to Jesus as it pertains, look, she she brought all these resources together and she bought this thing to lavish upon Jesus. And people will look and they'll be like, You gave your flash five dollars, fam? Are you serious? They're like, why would you do that? Why would you spend such an extravagant money? Or some people, when they see extravagance in this regard, they're like, oh, why don't you just take that money and use it for the poor? And they don't care nothing about the poor anyway. They just mad at what you're doing. But so they're checking him about the extravagance, checking her rather, about the extravagance she was exemplifying here in sowing this on Jesus at that point. And then watch, and the Bible says, and they scolded her, verse 6. But Jesus said, leave her alone. This is the context of the scripture we always take out of context. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Oh, Jesus loves extravagant worship. He loves when we take the resources that you and I may have come on somebody that he has blessed us with come on remember the parable we read earlier on. Oh, we're coming back there in a second, but he loves when you take what it is that he has given you and you lavish it on him for the advancement of his kingdom and to say thank you for that which he has given to you. Can I teach the Bible? And he says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always, you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good to them. But you will not always. You know people, when they always try to make it about something else? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he wasn't saying the poor you'll have with you always. Because so everybody needs to be poor. He's saying, the poor will be always there. You can always do good stuff for them. But in this moment, it's about me. This gift that she's giving is about me. Come on. He's saying it's for my glory and she's done a good thing. They're going to be here with you all the time. But this is a gospel thing. It's forecasting. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before my burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Look, we're still reading about it today because of the ointment, because of the extravagant gift. Oh my God! I want to be known for the extravagance that i lay upon my savior come on somebody i want to be known because of the fact that god based on what he has given me i want to be known for pouring out with extravagance the things that the lord has given me i want to be known for the kingdom being advanced not because of what i drive not because of how big my house is but how i have poured out what god has given me on the savior so that the world would know that there is a savior who has died for the sins of mankind and rose up on the third day with all power and is the soon coming king come on somebody in this place give the lord praise i want to be an extravagant giver and so that was the context of the poor you'll have with you always it's not oh you're always going to be poor there's always going to be people that's poor. that's not the point of what he was trying to communicate and so you know, when we're talking about poverty, I want you to understand this because there is, it is very important for us to note this. These are the type of poverty mindsets that have us entrapped, and this is why it is difficult for us to be able to move forward. Are y'all still with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Come on, somebody in the chat, let me know you're still with me. Come on, come on. You know, poverty mindsets, spending credit like cash with no attention to interest, you know, spending money with no budget. These are the things that perpetuate a poverty mindset. Or thoughts towards future ramifications people singing i gotta wear and look like i'm wealthy you know the richest people and the most wealthiest people in the earth you would never look at them and tell that they're wealthy but you know when somebody is broke rich when they're walking around wearing their wealth come on somebody you shouldn't be wearing your whole paycheck okay how about this can i flip it how about i don't deserve more only a certain race or type of people can be wealthy. This is a poverty mindset. I can't have anything. Only a certain type of people have this. Only a certain type of people. Are, or or uh, being broke makes me more like Jesus. Like we just talked about in the scripture. Or how about this? You know, the, the fact of the matter is, the point of God is not financial wealth. You know, it's financial poverty. So you have the extreme where there's people like, oh, God just wants me to be rich. And money, 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 and money, money. And we dance on money in the pulpit and come and bring me. There's that. But then there's the other side that's like, God wants me to be financially broke. You know, Some people, one of the misconceptions is you need a college degree in order to be wealthy. And you're like, man, I failed in college or this happened or whatever the case. And I need this. So this is a hindrance. How many of you know it's YouTubers on there? That are making millions. My kids are always telling me about millionaire kids stay in school, uh, but they are always telling me, telling me about millionaires and billionaires. And that this person just gave away six hundred thousand dollars to this person and that person on YouTube and all this stuff It's people without a college degree making more than people with Ph.D.'s so don't that's a poverty mindset you have ideas and seeds come on somebody and stuff in your bloodline that never got released but god wants to release it through you oh i release entrepreneurship somebody needs to stir up and start start stop working for somebody and start working for yourself and build something that will cause a legacy and generational wealth to be able to be perpetuated in your bloodline come on if that's you you ought to give god praise if you're saying it's me it's me it's me i dare you to let me know it's important for us to grab this thing man poverty patterns you know generational mismanagement of funds these are the things that stop us you know no examples of wealth this is why it's important for me for my children to see examples of people like me doing well This is important. This is why it's important for me, for my children to be able to see doctors that look like them. This is why it's important. This is why I go and seek out specifically certain things because I want there to be examples of people, come on, not that are an anomaly, but to be able to show them and to say, hey, these things are possible. Business owners and entrepreneurs and people who started even as children that were able to take what they had and do incredible, I want them to see all examples of people that look like them. And sometimes we are unable to progress forward because of these generational patterns where we are doing this or parents telling their children mind your business and stop asking about my money. When you start paying bills, you can ask me. The other don't know about that type of stuff. Stop telling your children to mind their business about finances. If you keep pushing them away and you don't tell them, this is how generational poverty is passed on because you and I, we don't do our job in challenging children, come on somebody, and equipping them with the tools that are necessary. Then Billy ends up having to file for bankruptcy because you told him, mind his business. Okay. Can I just help somebody? Well, the good news is We don't have to repeat or perpetuate the financial uh, mistakes of generations past. Oh, this is the good news. I I just feel a turnaround in my spirit. The Lord of the breakthrough. I feel that's the good news. As long as there's life, there's hope. I don't care. Some of you might be drowning. Come on, in the Red Sea of debt. But I wonder if there's anyone that knows that death says God used Moses to part the Red Sea. That right now in this moment, he can cause a breakthrough to happen in your finances. How many of you know that he don't just heal cancer? He doesn't just heal minds. I wonder if there's anybody that knows that he can heal your finances. He can heal your credit score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, oh my, I just feel this thing right now. And even for those of you that think you got it all together and you're set and you're doing, he can even challenge you in your pride and challenge you because some of y'all need to be giving more. You never can outgive God, and you never can be generous enough. Okay. This is good news. You can start where you are with what you have had, what you have, and God can do a turnaround. Come on, come on. Somebody, somebody in the chat just put a turnaround, a turnaround. Oh, I feel like some generate. All he needs is one. All he needs is just one. I mean, all he needs. Oh, hey! Oh, I just feel all he needs is just one person. All he needs is just one. All he needs is just one business. All he needs is just one mother. All he needs is just one father. All he needs is just one child to say this far and no further that I can make a difference and a change for the sea. Whew. Oh my. Am I the only person feeling this thing, man? I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there I want you to get this I want you to get this I want you to get this you don't have to perpetuate the errors of generations past God can do the turnaround with you first we have to understand our assignment write this down Genesis 1 28 and 29 Genesis 1 28 and 29 and my wife teach and I teach this in premarital counseling your assignment our assignment after it was made clear that we were made in the image and the likeness of God the assignment on our life watch this is to be fruitful and multiply oh my 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 this the text it's the same way that we talk about in this Matthew 25 that we've been talking about this passage that we started with is this idea of the of the king or this man leaving and giving certain things to his servants And his desire is for them to occupy or to multiply these things. But he says, be fruitful and multiply. And I tell teachers in premarital counseling, because it's important, being fruitful and multiplying does not just mean babies. He gives them seed. Come on, somebody. He gives them seed, not just the seed that's in their body, but the seed that's in the earth. And the assignment is they're supposed to have dominion and the things that are under their control, they are supposed to take those things and multiply them. God's desire is for everything. That's why I said if there's something in your hand and it doesn't meet your need, it must be a seed because it has the potent, it has the possibility in it uh, to be able to, look, oh my, I just want you to grab this and understand this, so your assignment is not just to multiply babies, even for those of you who are in a position where you are challenged in that area, you need to understand your assignment, because some of you, you feel down on yourself because of that area of your life, there is more in terms of multiplication than just children. And so the assignment, the assignment, and I just want to say this, and I just interject this right here. Y'all stop telling people and pressuring them to have children. And y'all stop going up to couples and asking them, when are y'all going to have babies? Because you don't know what people are going through, and you don't know what you're facing, and you and your West Indian tail, oh, can I just keep it real, need to stop putting pressure on people and talking them down when you don't know what they're facing. Oh, wait, I digress. Let me put that back in. Ah, okay. Uh, and so it's imperative for us to understand that we are supposed to realize to be fruitful and multiply is the agenda and the assignment that is on our life. And so God, God has given us, God has given us the responsibility. It ought to be us to where we look and we take everything we have with depending on the fruit that God has given us. It ought to be, it's our assignment to look for the seed in the fruit. And so we ought, to, we ought to take the fruit in our lives. And this is what most of us do. Most of us, we take the fruit, and when we grab the fruit, we just get it, and we start eating. And we eat, and we eat, and I'm not going to try to eat it because I'm going to get choked and it's going to look crazy. But we eat, we eat, we eat, and then when we get to the core, we toss it. But we got to get to the place where we realize, come on, somebody. In the middle of this fruit the fruit is not just about us eating it But there's something in the middle that we don't eat that many of us throw away. That's called a seed This seed is something that's so small. Oh, can I paint this picture? It's so small, but it's filled with potency that when I put this in the ground out of one apple It has the potential, come on somebody, to grow a tree with hundreds of apples. Y'all aren't hearing what I'm saying. And so the stuff that you throw away because it's small and it's hard, the reason it's hard is because it wasn't supposed, you weren't supposed to eat it. The assignment was not for you to eat the seed, it was for you to plant the seed. And there are many, oh, you got to get to the place where you're a seed finder. Oh, can I preach this thing like I feel it? You got to be a seed finder. You got to look for the seed in every single thing that you have. What is duplicable in your situation? Oh my, what can you take from your marriage that's working and instead of standing in front of the mirror and celebrating how great you are, how can you take what's working and plant it into another couple so that they can be able to have the tools that are necessary to grow more marriages and then they can take it and pass it on and before you know it, you mess around after having one apple and have a whole orchard. Oh, am I talking or am I talking today? Oh, I want you to grab this thing to understand. It's not about you just enjoying the fruit. God has called you to be a seed identifier. Come on, somebody. And even especially as it pertains to money, it's not about you just getting the money and eating it. This is why there's a portion of your finances that you're supposed to use as worship. That you sow as seed into the kingdom. To lavish extravagantly on, oh my, am I just, is this just good to me, y'all? I mean, I'm I'm losing my mind up here. Uh, we're, we're, we're having church here in the broadcast uh, l- campus because I want you to grab this. Understand, there is seed in your finances. And many of y'all, you've been... C- 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 Choking on the seed because of the fact that it was not supposed to be eaten. And that's why, no matter how much you get, there's a hole in your bucket. There, Liza, there, Liza. And the reason why is because you won't plug it up with the seed. Come on, somebody. Oh, am I the only person that's. Gra- listen, listen, listen. You got to be a fruitful. You can only be fruitful if you are a seed finder. You can only be fruitful if you... Because remember, can I go back again? Your roots are only going to be as strong as your seed. You can't have strong roots if you don't plant strong seed. Oh, I want you to get this. So then somebody's saying, how do I get it? I got to go, I got to go, but I hope this is blessing you. I hope you are... Is this blessing you all in the broadcast campus? Okay, watch this. Look, number one, I want you to understand this. So you're saying, how do I get this stuff you're talking about? Yes, we're talking about seed and we're talking about And you're saying, so then where are you talking about planting? Uh, If you want to leave an inheritance for your children and wealth and all this stuff we're talking about so that you can be a blessing to others and and, and your generations ahead, here it is. Number one, we're talking about divine prosperity. Prosperity that comes, like we've been reading in Psalm 1, uh, through Jesus and being planted in him. Here it is, and in his word, divine prosperity comes through kingdom prioritization not human exertion it comes through kingdom prioritization not human exertion when you usually hear about building generational wealth and stuff like this we immediately start saying oh man i gotta work harder i gotta bust my tail more okay i gotta put in some more hours you and i'm telling you man you go and you spend all this time busting your beep to be able to get stuff and then you can't even enjoy none of it the Bible makes it clear in Psalm 127 that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that work, that build it. Unless the Lord watches the city, they labor in vain that watch the city. He says that he goes on he says that he gives his beloved sleep in vain do you eat the bread of your toil. There's this is position where you think we now are in a generation. Oh, I'm just hustling. I'm ground, grinding, fam. I'm just hustling and grinding and hustling and for grinding and hustling and grinding, fam. And yes, it's good to hustle and grind. But the hustle and the grind does not give you the prosperity that the Bible is talking about. Come on. It comes through kingdom prioritization. Can I talk about it? Seek ye First, come on somebody, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Come on somebody in the chat, say all these things, all these things, all these things will be added unto you. If it means that it will be added, it's something I didn't have in the first place. And it's given to me as I seek First, the kingdom. What are you talking about? Seeking first the kingdom. I'm talking about taking a portion of what it is that God has given you and generously planting it into His kingdom, into A.K.A. the church. It is through the church. Can I just talk about it? That His kingdom is advanced. The church is the is the most powerful vehicle for evangelism in the world on earth. And when it is that we sow into the kingdom, more lives are able to be impacted and people. Know about Jesus, and it's when we sow into the kingdom that's when all these things that we so. There are many of you. You're generous. You're generous. You're giving stuff out, but you're not. You're not prioritizing the kingdom. Oh, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Can I give you this? Write this down. Proverbs three nine and ten. Proverbs three. See, this is a principle that's not just New Testament. Are y'all still with me? It's not just New Testament. Here it is. Proverbs three nine and ten. Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth. In other words, the things that you have. And with the, here it is, first fruits of all your produce. So in other words, whenever you get anything, whenever you get anything, and I'm going to demonstrate this in a second, but whenever you get anything, he says, honor him with the first fruits, the first fruits of all your produce. Here is speaking about uh, obviously, vegetation and things of this nature, but it's the principle that I want you to grab. He says that when you honor him with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Come on, somebody, with wine. Notice, he's saying that when you are, when you are in the position that you that you are that you are honoring the Lord with the first fruits of everything you get. Not seeking him second or with the second fruits, but with the first fruits. Somebody in the chat put the first fruits, the first fruits of your produce. There are many of you that you say, oh, I love the kingdom and I love Jesus and God is so amazing and I seek him first. But then you don't give to the kingdom or like I always say, you tip Jesus like a bad waiter. Right. But this is the text, and I'm not being judgmental. No perfect people allow. This is a turning point for some of you, right? Here it is, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve God and money. Because, see, it's a lot of y'all out here talking about you love God, but your bank account says you love those shoes more than you love Jesus. Your bank account says you love those thousand channels more than you love Jesus. Oh, y'all don't want to be real with me on today. And so the idea is that he's saying where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Your treasure is a great indicator or a thermometer as it pertains to your, your, uh, your, your heart. Your finances are a great thermometer as it pertains to your heart. And so uh, here's another one for you. Divine prosperity, and someone help me putting this in the chat. Divine prosperity is attached to your release. Not your retention. And this is important because I want you to understand this. This is also counter what the world would teach you. It was, it's, it's, it's more about your release than your retention. Yes, savings and emergency fund is important. But many of us, all we do is get and save and save and save and save and save. But we never sow. And if you're saving but you're not sowing, there's still a hole in your bucket. And I don't care, dear Liza, how much you have in savings or your emergency fund. That emergency fund is going to get used up and used up and used up. And things are going to happen because you are not prioritizing the kingdom. Can I just tell somebody? You're like, why is it? Why is it that this is happening? That is happening. It seems like I'm there. Are you prioritizing the kingdom? Oh, I'm just going to keep it 100 today because I want to see you have breakthrough in your life. It's important. It's important. It's, you know, it comes, uh, prosperity comes through your generosity, not your hoarding. And this is not some get rich quick scream, but it's, a, but it's about a loving trust for God as our source. And see, realize, giving to people outside of the church is an expression of the kingdom, but it does not replace investing into the kingdom. Through the local church. Because somebody, you're like, oh, I'm generous, man. I give this and I do this to these these foundations and these things. And that's wonderful. But it does not replace trusting God and giving in and sowing in and prioritizing giving in to the kingdom. Are you still with me? I mean, I want you to realize this. I'm almost done. I know I said that like seven times. But I want you to get this because I believe that this is a that this is a life-changing message for many of you. you. I want you to understand this. I mean, there have even been times when I have sold stuff and I'm like, man, I have absolutely, I don't see it right away. I don't see the breakthrough. I don't see the stuff that I'm looking through at looking for in this moment. And the fact of the matter is, you know, that at the end of the day, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. I am reaping stuff right now from seeds that I've sowed 10 years ago. There are things that are popping up in my life in the midst of the pandemic that I'm experiencing right now. Can I get a witness in the AV booth? Come on, somebody that can witness. There's stuff in my life right now. That I'm, that's popping up. These, these, uh, these Jordan Spizikes that I'm wearing right now. I had sold into somebody's life and this was a part of two shoes that I tried to pay for that I couldn't even pay for. I got these and some Air Max 720s from somebody that sold them into my life. I paid for them and they said, I can't take your money. And they did this. But then I look back. I'm like, God, what is this? And God reminded me of how I sold some shoes and stuff into somebody else's life, some other things into people's lives. And as a result, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also. You don't even have to pay for harvest. Oh my, are you just are you are you grabbing this stuff? I want you to get this. I even tried to pay. But you, there is, there is protection as it pertains to prosperity that comes from the Lord. You don't have to worry that when you get it, that it's gonna flow right out. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs 10:22, write this one down too. It's a good one for you. Here it is. It's better than a lottery ticket. Here we go. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So, so watch this. When God gives to you, when you uh, receive blessing because of seeds that are sown in, in, uh, and when you do so into the kingdom and prioritizing the kingdom, you don't have to worry. Is this thing going to bite me back? Is this going to come, come and yam me in the behind and jack me up? Am I going to lose it tomorrow? That's why people who win money through the lottery, come on somebody, they win money through the lottery and they lose it tomorrow because you didn't receive it the godly way. And there are many who do not know how to steward finances and don't understand godly principles. And so just it's not a get rich quick thing. He says in due season you will reap if you faint not. And so, watch this. So, I just want to tell you this last thing before I just illustrate this thing and close it for you. Uh, And this is the last one for real. You can start living generously right now. If you haven't been living generously, you can start living generously right now. If you've been been tipping Jesus like a bad waiter or if you've been seeking third the kingdom of God, you can start seeking first the kingdom of God right now. And I know I have preached forever this morning but I hope that something I'm saying is impacting you is impacting you in a way that is impactful as they bring this prop for me here to close this thing out Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 and 25 in the King James version it says watch this it says there is that scattereth and yet increaseth and there is that withholdeth more than is meat but it tendeth To poverty. And then watch what he says. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So I want you, thank you so much. I want you to grab this. He says, the liberal soul will be made fat. This is the type of fat that you want. He says, if you are liberal, if you are generous, you will be made fat. And then he goes on and he says, and he that waters shall himself be watered. And so when you're generous, you position yourself to be able to receive increase. And it's the liberal person. And if you are someone who waters, you will be watered yourself. And so I want to explain this to you. Explain this. I want to explain this to you uh, as we close this thing out today. I want you to note this. So uh, when we think about generosity, remember the text we read? It says, for it will be like a man who has gone away. He gave them his property so it belongs to God. And to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. And to another he gave one. Every single one of us has been born Every one of us has been born with varying capacity. And so these glasses that I'm going to be looking at here, these uh, jars, these all represent our varying capacity. So some of us, you are born with this amount of capacity. Some of us are born with this amount of capacity. Some of us are born with this amount of capacity. And the thing is, watch this, when, when we look at capacity, oftentimes... We look and we base generosity on the amount of capacity that someone has. And so we think that because someone has a bigger jar, that means that must mean that they are more generous than someone who has a smaller jar. And so, how many of you know that it's not about it's not about the capacity, it's what you do with your capacity. Oh, can I help somebody to understand this thing today? It's about what you do with your capacity. Can I just demonstrate this? Because I want you to understand uh, this thing right here. So look, let's say all of us, we're all filled, right? They're all filled to the top. They're all filled to the top. Now, and this guy's overflowing. So look, I want you to understand this. So let's say, this is the way that we usually look at things. This guy who has the biggest capacity, let's say... This represents the kingdom, us pouring in to what it is that God has given us, right? Back into God for what He's given us. This poor represented a thousand. Let's say this poor represents, let's say this poor represents 500. And let's say this poor represents $5. We usually would judge generosity based on an amount. Come on somebody because this guy gave because this guy gave a thousand dollars That must mean that he's more generous than the person who gave 500 or the person who gave five. Oh, are you all on? Are you on me right now? We might think that the person who gave the five dollars Was not as generous as the person who gave a thousand But look at how much is still left in this person's jar Come on somebody and look at how much is left in this person's jar. So, who is it that was actually more generous? Oh, can I tell you that generosity is not measured numerically, it's based on your capacity let me say that again generosity is not measured numerically it's based on your capacity stop judging that you or others are generous because of how much it is that they gave come on somebody it's not determined by a number or amount it's determined by the sacrifice Oh, can I teach it to you in scripture? I want to just show you this. Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts. Come on, pouring it in, putting their gifts. The Bible says, into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow. Come on, somebody. A poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. Come on, somebody. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on oh are you seeing this and, and, and so Jesus says that this person who gave the, fi- the two gave more than the person who gave the thousand because they still have stuff left over and so you and I there are many of you who pridefully there are many of you who pridefully think that you are giving more and that you're good and you're set because of a dollar amount but how is your generosity in proportion to your capacity how is your do, do a generosity check oh I wrote a check for such and such and I did it how does it look in comparison to your capacity can I even talk to the person where you're like I'm giving my best and this is all that I have and you're discouraged because it's not in line with others and there's some of you who don't give because you're like when I compare what I'm giving to what somebody else is giving it can't be as good and God can't be pleased with my offering I'm here to tell you that God is not basing your generosity on the other amount of money he's not basing it on that but he is basing it on the level of your capacity you can be generous where you are don't let anybody shame you don't let anybody discourage you and you are prideful you need to repent and really check yourself to see if your generosity is based on a dollar amount but it's not costing you anything No matter how much you have you can always be generous are you hearing what i'm saying and the idea and the assignment and the purpose of us giving is so that we can always watch this if you be faithful long enough with this five dollar jar how many of you know that god soon enough will increase your capacity come on and the people that had the five dollar end up getting to the 500 come on and you get to the place where as you are more faithful with what god has placed in your hand he continues to increase you and enlarge you and i hear second corinthians 9 verse 10 says so that you can be blessed enough to not just have your needs met come on. but so that then you can go and you can be a blessing to other people as well come on somebody don't wait till you get a thousand dollars to be generous come on you can take that can of beans in your closet you can take whatever it is that you have and you can start sowing and being generous right now So lastly, I want to share this with you because I want you to get this. When we think about prioritization, this is what we're talking about because the idea is us being generous with what we have. Don't say I have too little because remember the servant, the master came back and he's like, all I had was one and I know you were a this and a that and now we're struck. And he comes back and he says, you should have invested it. You should have done something. He says, even if you had little, that's not an excuse to do nothing. You should do something. Do something with what it is that I've given you. But many of us, this is our perspective. This is how we do it. Let's say this aloe plant represents the kingdom. And I love aloe plants. I'll never forget. I was in the West Indies. Only stuff like this happened in the West Indies. And I got a cut. (laughs) And my sister said, go and break open (laughs) the... I put some aloe on my, on my, and, and it took care of it, right? But the healing for the nations, right? And then this now represents this plant. Come on, I want you to see this. This plant represents you. This plant represents your, 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 uh, yourself, your bill. I mean, no, not your bills, your savings and yourself. And then this jacked up raggedy plant right here, this cactus old dried up plant, let this represent your bills, right? So this represents your bills. This this is this is what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we're supposed to watch this. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, right? And his righteousness. Doesn't mean that the kingdom is the only thing that you sow into. But this is what many of us usually do. We're like, "Oh my gosh, we get our funds and we're like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Let me take care of my bills." And we pour out into our bills. And then we're like, oh my gosh, emergency fund. And then, okay, I need to go ahead and I need to then go. And then I need to pay my emergency fund and I need to get my savings because I'm saving for a house. And I need to do this and I need to do that. And so then we invest all of the money into this stuff. And then when we're done, we just go like this for Jesus. Just a little splatter. If there's anything left. Then we're like, okay, Jesus, now you can have this. So we seek less the kingdom of God. And then we wonder why we're always trying to catch up on this and why all of, there's a hole in all of this stuff. And the assignment is for us to use the capacity we have, no matter how big or small, and be generous with it, firstly in the kingdom of God and then everything else we need will be added unto us so that we can make sure then after that we can take care of not only ourselves but our bills why am i rushing to sow into this cactus plant so fast does the text say seek first the cactus of god and all these things will be added no seek first The kingdom of God. Oh, I hope that they're getting this in the online campus. I can't see y'all right now, but I hope that you're grabbing this. Because we need to rearrange our understanding of our capacity and also what we're sowing into in our lives. Because when we get this priority in order, that's when we're going to begin to see divine prosperity in our lives. To be able to not just be blessed in our lives, but to be able to bless and be a blessing to those who are around us and also those in, uh, in the generations that are ahead of us. And so I end today by just letting you know that the reason why we celebrate the gospel and the reason why we have salbra- salvation today Is because Jesus is a seed. Because God gave the best that he had. Oh, are y'all hearing what I'm saying on this morning? He gave the best that he had. Yahweh, the Bible makes it clear that when we were sinners sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, that we were headed for hell, the Bible says, outside of Christ. And the good news is that God doesn't say, I'm just going to keep all my goodness to myself. I'm just going to keep it all to myself. It's just going to be about me, myself, and I. He doesn't just say it's just about me, but what he says is, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to put on flesh and I'm going to send my son. I'm going to come to the earth. I'm going to live perfectly on your behalf so that you and I, you wouldn't be spiritually bankrupt and dead in sin and headed for hell and just that's it. But God plants Jesus in the earth (laughs) and through his death, he doesn't go in the grave to be buried and stay dead, but he is planted, not buried. And he rises from death. He rises from death with all power and extends to you and I today eternal life. This is why we're so excited about Jesus. This is why we sow into Jesus and into the kingdom and we lavish on him beautifully so that bountifully so that others can learn about him because this is that message. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And so today... This is the message that people have given so you could hear. This is the message I want to invite you into today. This is the love of God to you today. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how far you are away from him. His arms are open wide to receive you right now into fellowship. And so here in this moment, I want to invite you, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you're not having a relationship with him, today is your day when you can... Get your relationship right with God. And so today I invite you into doing so. You're saying, how do I do that? All you got to do is put your trust in him, believe in him, put faith in him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, you want him to be the boss of your life. And if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from death, that indeed he didn't stay dead. He's not just buried, but he rose from death with all power, that you could be saved. Today you can give him your life and your heart. And so if that person is you, I want to invite you in to trusting him today. And so I'm getting ready to lead a prayer of commitment. Yeah. And today, if it's your first time doing so, if you've never made a decision for Christ before, or if today you're like, this is my day and I want to come back home. You may have been connected with him and you ran away and he's never left you, even though you may have run away from him. And today is your time. You can come back home. You can come back home. So I'm going to lead this prayer of commitment. Every head bow, every eye closed. Right now, I want you to just think of yourself. Think of your heart. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Is this, is Jesus calling you and drawing you today? If you're going to respond on the count of three, If you're like, that's me, just after you've checked yourself and that's you, on the count of three, I want you to pop that hand up real high. Here we go. On the count of three, if you're like, that's me, I want you to include me in this prayer, Pastor Andrew. I'm making a decision for Christ today. Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, pop that hand up right there in your living room. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry who's looking at you. This is your time. This is between you and God. And so here, I want us to pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. Meet it with all your heart. It's not a prayer that saves. It's Jesus who saves. But this is a prayer of commitment. Drawing a line in the sand. Here we go. And so we say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. Be with me now and forevermore. I thank you for doing it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let everybody say amen. Come on, you ought to go ahead and give the Lord praise right where you are. Come on, we celebrate you. Come on.